Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Blessed be your name. Today is going to be a great day. Today is going to be a wonderful day. Today is going to be a beautiful day for your people. Glorify yourself. Edify your people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Today I bring you a message from the Lord. A message that I've titled, Your Superpower Called Patience. Your Superpower Called Patience. In order for you to understand or for us to understand the power of patience in our lives, I'm going to be telling you a short story that the Lord inspired in my heart. And on the back of that story, we'll pull out some lessons to learn from that and we'll deep dive into the message. Now, here goes the story. Once upon a time, there were two farmers. Let's call them Farmer A and Farmer B, who inherited large portions of arable lands, which are rich for grain all types of seeds. Since they came from a lineage of farmers, there are instructions codes in manuals that explain how the different seeds should be planted. In the footer of every page of the instruction manual was an inscription accredited to the ancient one. The inscription goes this way. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. This inscription was emblazoned at the footer of every single page of the instruction manual which they were meant to read. Each of these farmers memorized this wise saying because it helps them to know that there are seasonality to their business and that they must never forget that when they plant, they will harvest. When they plant, they will harvest. During training, Farmer A decided to seek audience with the ancient one. The ancient one is a progenitor of their race. Of their race. So he went to ask a question from the ancient one about the inscription on seed time and harvest. The following conversations, the following conversations ensue. Farmer A, oh ancient one, I have a question about this inscription. Can you tell me? Why the inscription read, seed time and harvest, and not seed time and harvest time? The ancient one replies, my beloved child, it's a wise question that you have asked. It is because the timing for harvest for each seed differs, even though you may plant some or all of them at the same time. You don't reap the harvest at the same time. Now, here is a guide that will explain this phenomenon to you. And you can find this guide in the annotation at the back of the instruction manual that you have been given. For example, apple trees, they can start to blossom in just a couple of years. Generally, they bear fruit in four to eight years. Asian pears, they are generally the quickest to fruit, often blooming in their second or third year post-planting. Lemon trees, they physically start producing fruit in two to three years. Lime trees. Most varieties of lime trees will produce fruit after six to eight years. Orange trees. They typically start producing fruit in three years. Olive trees. They typically start producing fruit in four to five years. Avocado trees. They typically start producing fruit in ten years. Almond trees. They typically start producing fruit in five to ten years. Mango trees. 
they typically start producing fruit in five to eight years. Peach trees, they typically start producing fruit in two to four years. Apricot trees, they typically start producing fruit in five to seven years. Pear trees, they typically start producing fruit in three to ten years. Plum trees, they typically start producing fruits in four to six years. Sweet chestnut trees, they typically start producing fruits in three to five years. Fig trees, they, they typically start producing fruits in eight to ten years. Cherry trees, they typically start producing fruit in three years. So Farmahe thanked the ancient one and nurtured this truth in his heart. Soon it was sea time. So each of these farmers poured over the instructions and went to start farming their lands. They both took searches of seeds from the storehouse and planted diverse seeds as per the instruction manual. Some of the seeds planted are apple, Asian, Asian pears, lemon, lime, orange trees, olive trees, fig trees, and so on and so forth. Now, from where he goes to the farm, read the instructions, planted the seeds, and he bore in mind the time taken for gestation for germination and for fruit bearing. Every day, he goes to the farm to tend to the farm, uh, to tend to the seeds rather, exposing the seeds to adequate sunlight, water and nutrient. He also ensures that rodents and weeds and so on and so forth that are negative are prevented from hurting the seed. Every day, he comes to the farm. Every day, he has an expectation, a hope that soon the orchard will bloom with fruit. He has an expectation, a hope that the orchard will bloom with fruit, and the harvest time will come for the seeds in different times, as the ancient one has spoken. He is hopeful, he is patient, he is expectant, because he is keenly aware that depending on the time it takes for each seed to produce fruit, he may actually have harvest all year long. He is being guided by the law of seed time and harvest. Now, let's switch to Farmer B. After securing the satchel of seeds to plant, unfortunately, he did not read the annotation at the back of the manual where it was stated how long the seeds take to produce fruit. Neither did he seek audience with the ancient one. So, he's oblivious to this truth that is quite important. So, but he followed the same process like Farmer A, tending to the seeds, taking care of them, exposing to sunlight and water and nutrients and so on and so forth. But after one year of the seeds being planted, something happened. It began to prance around the feed, agitated. Why? Because though it can see the plants, it cannot see the fruits. It began to wonder what could be wrong. It thought maybe it didn't plant the seed well. Perhaps there's not enough water or perhaps there's not enough sunlight. So it decided to check the seeds out by uprooting some of the seeds from the ground to check if the right quantity of water is getting to them. He did the same thing to some of the ones that have turned into plants already. He uprooted them to check what is going on. He realized that actually there was enough water and so there was enough sunlight. But he doesn't understand why the fruit is not coming. He was perplexed. He keeps checking them every now and then. He checks them over and over and over. Now, when it was time for harvest, Obviously, there was no fruit to harvest. Why? Because he did not allow the seed to do its job. He did not allow the time taken for the seed to go through the process to become a plant, to become a fruit, to do its job. Why? Because he has spent so much time 
or putting the seed from the ground, never allowing the seed to go through the time and the process, and he didn't have the patience enough to allow the time to go through in order for him to be able to reap the harvest that is required. What do you think happened to Farmer B? Farmer B forgot the process of time, the process that time teaches us patience to wait to receive what is ours. He forgot the value that time plays in our fruitfulness. Farmer B forgot that patience is a virtue that is developed when we know how things will pan out. Now, here are some questions for you. Which of these farmers would you like to be? Which of these farmers represent you today? As we round up our teaching on the 10 keys to a fruitful life, I'm sharing today a message titled, Your Superpower Called Patience. So why is patience a superpower? Because number one, patience builds character. And without character, no food can endure. You know, at times we want God to do things for us very quickly, like I want it now, I want it yesterday, you know. But actually, there are some things that God is delaying to manifest in your life because you do not have the right kind of character to maintain those things when they come when, when they come around for you. So patience helps to build character. And character helps us to have fruitfulness that endure. I'll say that again. Patience helps us to build character. And character is what allows our fruit to endure. Patience also teaches us that life is in seasons and that nothing we face will be forever. There's a particular phrase in the Bible that I find quite interesting. That phrase goes this way. It came to pass. It came so that it can pass. Which means no matter what you are going through today, it will not be like that forever. It will come and it will pass. Patience also helps us to put things in perspective. Which means when we have patience, we can take a moment back to reflect over what we are going through and we can have a different perspective to life about what should we do about those things. And finally, patience gives us hope. This is the one that I'm going to capitalize on for the rest of the teaching. Patience gives us hope. And hope is the anchor of faith. And faith is what gives us victory in this life. I'll say that again. Patience gives us hope. And hope is the anchor of faith. And faith is what gives us victory in this life. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says that God keeps promises. The Bible says such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. In the Amplified Version, it reads, For whatever was thus written in former days was written for our own instruction, that by our steadfast and patient endurance and the encouragement drawn from the scriptures, we might hold fast to and cherish hope. The TPT says, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us on in how to live. I love that. Whatever was written, whatever has happened in the past, whether that is recorded in the Bible, 
that we have read about in the Bible, or it might even be testimonies of someone who has been through what you are going through. Those things were written aforetime. They were written beforehand for you to instruct you on how to live. So, for example, you might have somebody who made a mistake, messed up his entire life by sleeping around, or maybe the person ended up having catching STD, and the person messed up his whole family life because the person could not become faithful to his wife. You know, when you read about that story, that teaches you a lesson not to go in that direction. The Bible essentially says what was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. KJV says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning. Those things were written so that we can learn from them. That we, through patience, we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. The Bible essentially says, patience gives us hope. And hope is the anchor of faith. And faith is what gives us victory in this life. I would like you to write that down. Patience gives us hope. Hope is the anchor of life and uh, anchor of faith. And faith is what gives us hope, victory in this life. So nothing that is of worth or nothing that lasts for a long time can be achieved in this life without patience and perseverance. Now, if you read the scriptures and you know of the God who has come through in the past for someone, in the situation that you are believing God for, in the situation where you are, whereby you have found yourself, then you can have hope. You can have hope, and that hope will make you to develop patience as you wait for God to help you. Notice, without a trust in the character of God, we cannot have hope or be patient when things are delayed. So how is patience your superpower? Let me give an example. You know, in our world today, being a superpower has to do with military strength and using force to squash opposition. It's about bragging on how well you are better off than others through your material wealth or through the actual show of strength. And almost no one pays attention to the strength that is called patience. Patience is a superpower quality. Why? Because it builds within you indomitability, perseverance, and resilience. I will say that again. Patience is a superpower because it builds within you indomitability, perseverance, and resilience. The ability to bounce back after failure and the resilience to keep going when things don't make sense. That is patience. In Romans 15, 4 that we read earlier, the Bible says, patience and comfort of scriptures give us hope. Now, let's look at the word patience. That word patience is from the is from the Greek word upomone, and it means steadfastness, constancy, endurance, or characteristics of a person who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. This is talking about somebody who is steadfast and dedicated. Why? Because of the character of the person that he has believed in. Comfort, on the other, on the other hand, is from the Greek word parakos. Paraclesis, and it means entreaty, exhortation, admonition, encouragement, consolation, 
comfort solace that which affords comfort or refreshment so when you put the two together you can say there's patience and comfort which means god is saying to you that his word will provide you with refreshment or encouragement that will give you stability and steadfastness that which will then lead to hope i'll say that again god is saying to you by romans 15 4 that his word will give you stability and uh, sorry it will, be, it will give you a refreshment will give you encouragement so that you can through that encouragement receive stability and steadfastness which will then lead to hope so there's a formula i have on the screen that says the patience plus encouragement of scriptures leads to hope patience plus encouragement of scriptures equals hope so you can see from this equation therefore that if patience is missing then you cannot have hope i'll say that again when you look at this scripture patience plus encouragement of scriptures equals hope when you remove patience from that then hope yeah hope will not you can't have enduring hope let's look at that again suppose i take patience out what am i going to have i'm going to have encouragement of scriptures equals hope which means when i read the scriptures the scriptures build images in my heart of possibilities but if I don't have my patience to it, to know that they see time and harvest, that things normally might take their time before they show up, then what will happen is that that hope will not be hope that anchors me. It will not be hope that holds me. It will not be hope that I can depend upon. The kind of hope that was described in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, that's talking about the hope that cannot be shattered, that cannot be trampled upon, that cannot be overcome. That's the kind of hope that God wants us to have. The hope that is based on the trust that we have in God, that then builds patience in us. Without the patience, without patience being added to the encouragement that you receive from scriptures, you cannot have enduring hope. So, now, let's talk about the word hope. Why is hope important though? Because hope itself is the anchor of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, the Bible says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So we see, therefore, that faith substantiates hope. If faith substantiates hope, or faith gives substance to hope, it therefore means that without hope, faith is useless. Faith is actually built on hope you cannot have faith beyond the hope you, you, if you are hopeless there's no hint of hopefulness coming through your situation it is difficult for faith to rise up for example the woman with the issue of blood in the book of mark the bible said she heard about jesus Her situation was hopeless for many years he has spent money with the doctors a situation has not changed. As a matter of fact, the Bible says she be, she progressively got worse. That's what happened to her, right? But the Bible says she heard something about Jesus. She heard how Jesus Christ was healing people. What she heard about Jesus gave her encouragement. And then the Bible said she kept saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. So she was waiting patiently for Jesus Christ to come into that vicinity. And she kept replaying in her mind that Jesus Christ is a healer. Jesus Christ loves to heal people. Jesus Christ does not discriminate. She kept telling herself that and over and over. That builds, that builds encouragement in her. But she had to be patient to allow for Jesus Christ to show up in her community. Then she took action to go and meet Jesus. 
And by taking action to meet Jesus, our situation became a different one. So, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It means without faith, it is impossible to do things the way God wants them to do. So, faith, therefore, is important. So, let's look at faith. Remember, faith is based on hope. Faith without hope is useless. So, how is faith important? Because in 1 John 5, verse 4, the Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The Bible says it is our faith that overcomes the world. It is our faith that overcomes the world. So we can say, therefore, that our victory in life is dependent on our faith. And our faith in life is substantiated by the hope of what we have. And the hope that we have is pulled out from comfort of the scriptures and patience endurance so victory in this world is dependent on faith but for faith to work we need hope the hope that keeps us going when things don't make sense but we cannot have such hope unless we embrace patience and the comfort that the scriptures provide here is a short formula that i've written down i said victory in this world equals faith or hope Uh, sorry faith dependent on hope victory in this world is equals to faith that is premised on hope so now if you substitute hope the value of hope for um patience and encouragement of scriptures what you're going to have is that our victory in this world is equals to faith that is premised on patience and the encouragement that the scriptures provide so, what that therefore that means is this. The more patience we develop, the more resilient we will become. And the more encouragement from the Bible we feed our minds upon, the more hopeful we will become. And the more hopeful we become, the more faith we will have. The more faith we will have, the more we are able to act in faith. And as we act in faith, we become victorious in this life. I'll say that again. Victory in this world equals to faith that is premised on patience and the encouragement of scriptures. So, the more patience we develop, the more resilient we become. The more resilient we become, the more uh, encouragement we get. The more encouragement we get from the Bible, the more encouragement we feed our minds upon, the more hopeful we become. So, now when you have patience that is coming from the Bible, that is coming from um, what we have heard about God, and when we get encouragement that is coming from the Bible, what will happen is we become hopeful. The more hopeful we become, the more uh, more hopeful we become, the more faith we we are going to have. The more faith we display, the more actions of faith we are going to take. The more actions of faith we take, the more victorious we are going to become. So let's use an example. Suppose you are looking for a new employment. Now remember, to be victorious, victorious, to be victorious, you need faith. But that faith is dependent on hope. That hope is dependent on the patience and encouragement of scriptures so look just remember the pattern right faith hope faith uh, sorry victory faith hope promise uh, patience and encouragement so if you're looking for a new employment to be victorious you must have faith that's the starting point or you must exercise faith 
But at this point in time, imagine that you don't feel like you can do that. You don't feel like you have faith. You don't feel like you can exercise faith because you have been, you have, your mind has been filled with so much of what is going on in the world that you have become fearful. Faith seems to have gone out of the window. So because of the state of the economy in which you live and how bad news are flying around, you, your faith is weakened, as it were. So what do you need to do if your faith is weakened? Remember, victory in this world is our faith. Our faith is what guarantees us victory in this world. Since you are kind of like not in the same position to be able to exercise faith because of all the things you have been hearing, there's pictures of fear and pictures of um, things not working in your heart, what are you going to do? You need to develop hope. How do you develop hope? Hope when hope seems useless. You remember this, that hope is based on the encouragement and the patience from the scriptures. So, what then therefore means that you will turn to the word of God and begin to read up on people whom God had met their needs. For example, in Exodus chapter 16, the Bible says God fed millions of these Israelites with manna, daily manna from heaven. They didn't have to pay for it. They didn't have to work for it. God just supplies them, you know, this manna from heaven out of his superabundant mercy. So, you, you read that stories. That story, sorry, you read that story. That story will paint pictures in your heart of the possibility. You might even try to put yourself in a situation whereby you are among the Israelites when the manna first shows up. They didn't know what it was. They were surprised. But they found out that as they gather it and they take it into their house and they begin to cook it, they could eat food from it, right? So imagine the way you are going to feel if all of a sudden, you know, God supplies manna from heaven for you. In any area of your life where you need some sort of breakthroughs and victories, God so supernaturally provides that for you. There's a change in the way you are going to think, right? So you feed your mind on people that God has come through for in the past. For example, we understand in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 15, there was a widow that was the widow of Zarephath that was fed for three years based on of the flour, a small flour in a bean and the oil in a jar. That's all she had. But because the word of God was spoken over these little things that she had, it fed them, it, these things fed them for three years. While other people in other parts of the country kind of were, were like dying and getting killed up because there was no food in the community. But the Lord kept them for that three years. But increasing what they, the little that they had began to, God began to multiply it. What about when Jesus Christ fed 5,000 people? 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. The Bible essentially says Jesus Christ took up the bread. Look up to heaven. That means he recovered sight, right? And broke the bread. And the bread began to multiply as the bread was being shared to, the, to people. So when you are looking for work, what you want to do is feed your mind on the promise of God. Remember, the Bible says it is through the comfort and the patience of scriptures that we are able to have hope. And when we have hope, hope is uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for, which means faith and hope are kind of linked together, right? So you need to build hope. Now, when you build hope, the hope will build your faith, but the faith that you now build is what will give you victory over the, over, over the earth. Amen? So, these stories we've just spoken about now, we create new pictures of hope in your heart, that God that has done it before, that he will do it again. Now, you, you won't stop there. Then what you then need to do is read up on more of the scriptures that affirm the faithfulness of God, so that you can start to quote, quote them aloud. You remind yourself of the faithfulness and the unchanging nature of God. 
So this bit here about the nature of God, the faithfulness of God, the character of God is what makes you to be steadfast as you persevere through. Some of the scriptures you might begin to read are Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You can say that to yourself. In the morning, the evening, in the afternoon, you can say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not want for good things. The Lord is my shepherd in the name of Jesus Christ. You can say that. You can do that. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. The Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You can quote that. And as you quote that, I want to see in your mind's eye God meeting every single need of yours. You know, that's how you begin to visualize it. That my God is able to supply, to supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Another one you can read is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. You can begin to say, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God. You can say, essentially say, Every promise that God has promised, they are also for you, that you can enjoy them, that you can have access to them, that they are yours. You don't have to beg for them. They are already yes in Christ. You just have to say, Amen. I believe it to it in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 to 20. Hebrews 6, 17 to 20. The Bible says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given you both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The Bible essentially is saying something about the character of God. That God has bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that God will never change his mind. God didn't have to bind himself with an oath. But the Bible says he wanted to make sure the unchangeability of his counsel. That's why he had to swear. He didn't have to swear. His yes should be enough. But he swore and said, the promise which I have promised you, you are going to receive it. What I have declared that you are going to get, you will never change. In the name of Jesus. So God has given us his promise and his oath, the oath of God and the promise of God, they are unchangeable because God cannot lie. Because we now have the promise of God, what he planned to do for us, we, and we now have the oath of God, what he is doing in us, then the Bible says because of that, we have hope. We have hope. The Bible says we, we will have fled to him for refuge. We have fled to God as our hiding place. We now have great confidence. As we hold on to the hope that lies before us, we have great confidence as we lay hold of the hope that we have before us. So we see here, therefore, we can have great confidence based on what? The hope that lies before us. This word confidence is is essentially the same word as we have great trust. Yeah, we have great boldness. We are bold. We are courageous. Why? Because there's a hope that lies before us. Again, I keep talking about it. You cannot have faith. You cannot have faith without hope. So that's why the Bible says the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort or the God of all hope, those are 
beautiful words that describe that describe you know the faithfulness of God. How far? How by the fact that God desires for us to prosper more than we ever thought about in the name of Jesus. So let's go back to it. The Bible essentially says we will have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. So in order for this to happen, you have to look at the hope before you, right? You have to have something that is painting a picture of hope before you. When you have that picture that is painting a picture of hope before you, the Bible says you can have great confidence. You can have great confidence. Why? Because there is a hope before you. If there is no hope before you, you cannot have confidence. It's not possible. If there is nothing that is waking you up in the morning, if you don't have a desire that tomorrow is going to be better than today, if you don't think that your life is your life five years from now will be far, far better than where you are today, you are going to give up. You are going to give up. And God, the Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, boldness, and a sound mind. You are going to give up if you don't have hope hope, something that you are striving forward to, something that is pushing you forward, something that you believe God for, something that is making you think that that, that, the, that what you have today is smaller compared to what God has in store for you. The Bible says it is the, the, the confidence of God, the promise of God, the hope of God, the hope of God that has given us this confidence. We are confident because we have a hope that lies before us. What is this hope? The Bible says this hope is a, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So when things come to try and move us to the left and move us to the right, we remember that we have an anchor. The anchor holds us to the to holds us. The anchor holds us like this so that we don't we don't drift away from the truth. The Bible says it's an anchor for our souls. It and this hope leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So we have a hope that not only is connected connected to our heart so that we can keep believing God for better in, a, in whatever state we find ourselves. We have a hope that helps us to see what Jesus Christ is doing for us right now in heaven. The Bible says Jesus Christ is our high priest in the order of Melchizedek, which means Jesus Christ today is not functioning as um, a, a, an, an idol, Son of God, sitting at the right hand of God. No, the Bible says he's our high priest, which means he daily prays for you. He prays for you. He prays for the fulfillment of your purpose and destiny. So, essentially, God is there right beside you, praying for you, praying that life, life will turn around for you, praying that things will work for you. The Bible says he's our high priest. And as our high priest, remember, the word high priest means somebody who, who performs uh, um uh, sacrifices for other, others, which means Jesus Christ is the one who is in the temple in heaven and he prays for us. What sacrifice is he offering? The sacrifice of his own prayer. He prays for us. The Bible says that the, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So we, now we know that prayer is a form of, of sacrifice presented in heaven. So God is praying for you that you shall fulfill purpose. God is praying for you that you shall find purpose. God is praying for you that you shall follow purpose. God is praying for you that the will turn around for you. God is praying for you that all is well with you in the name of Jesus Christ. So, and I join my faith with yours this morning that all is well with you in the name of Jesus. That all is well with you in the name of Jesus. So, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Because God is no respecter of persons, you can be sure that you are qualified 
to receive this. You are qualified to do this. Now, we have used an example of somebody looking for work, but it could be healing. It could be buying a house. It could be whatever it is that you believe God for. You can follow this process. It's the same process that you follow through, whereby God, the, the name of the Lord, is highly exalted among us in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that according as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The Bible says everything that needs for somebody to live a life of God, to be like God, has been given to us already. Of which you are one of them. You are, If you are a saint, you are a believer, you have already been pre-qualified by God to have a life of godliness. A life that promotes the kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 verse 12. The Bible says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. The Bible says, is saying, God has qualified us. He has qualified us. We were not qualified by our pedigree. We're not qualified by where we went to school. We're not qualified by who we know. We're not qualified because of our uh, IQ. We are qualified because God decides to qualify us. We are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in the life. We are qualified to share in all the things that the saints have access to and what do we have access to as saints we have access to the fullness of god we have access to god himself so essentially the bible essentially says we are qualified to stand before god no matter what it is in the name of jesus christ so as you do these things as you remember who god is remember who you are in him rehash his promises go back go back over the stories of the past that has that 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 that, that have helped that have come through for you as you do this thing let encouragement fill your heart let the scriptures paint pictures in your heart so that you can begin to see things the way god sees them so so you receive encouragement from the scriptures you become patient you because now you have hope now when you have hope patience has done its job patience has done its job when you have hope patience has done its job and it is that hope now that will fuel your faith. Amen? Now, while you go through this process in a bid to, for you to get a job, you must dissociate yourself from any negative sources that may seek to pollute your mind as you do these exercises. As you continue, faith will start to rise in your heart and God's instructions on what next to do will become clearer and clearer and clearer to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, Amplified Version. The Bible says, for this very reason, adding your diligence, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. And in exercising virtue, develop knowledge or intelligence. In exercising knowledge, develop self-control. And exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, which is patience, endurance. And in exercising steadfastness, develop godliness. The Bible then says in verse 7, and if in exercising godliness, in, in developing all of these things, you need to also develop brotherly affection. And in exercising your brotherly affection, develop Christian love. Praise God. For as this qualities are yours and are bound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Let me unpack this for you, people of God. The Bible essentially says, developing patience and endurance is one of the qualities that you must have and that you must increase to have more. Why? Because such a skill 
or such patients, we keep, if you don't develop them, it will keep you from being, um, it will, if, sorry, if you develop them, it will keep you from being idle or from being unfruitful. If you keep them, it will, if, you, if you develop these skills, they will keep you from being, they will keep you from being, um, from being unfruitful, right? So essentially what God is saying is that the more, the more you can allow yourself to develop patience, the more fruitful you will become. The more you allow yourself to develop patience, the more fruitful you will become. Hallelujah. So I got a question. I got a question before we go. Patience is not easy. To be patient, especially when somebody has done something wrong for you, it's not easy. So how do you go about it? As per what we have shared today, that patience is easy to develop patience when you know that God is in your side. So let's go back to the story of the farmers as I begin to round up. Farmer A and Farmer B approached the farmland. They both saw the greenery of the land. The plants already come up. And other season will soon come by. We look at Farmer A land and the fruit already coming to show up. Farmer B land, even though it is green, we can't see any fruit. We wonder what is going on. One of the things we realize is that Farmer B was not as patient as Farmer A. Farmer A was actually patient because Farmer A had a pre-knowledge, a pre-knowledge of what to avoid. So, therefore, if the two of them stand before this arable land with green fields, one will be filled with expectation and the other will be filled with anxiety. The one that is filled with expectation is expectant because that person is aware of the rules that govern seed time and harvest. And therefore, that person, because of understanding the timeline and how long it takes, the person is patient. Even when nothing is working, the person is patient because the person knows the harvest time will come. The harvest time will come in the process of time designated for that seed. And it is not the same for every seed in the group. So that person is, is calm, is not exasperated because the person understands that seed time and harvest will take their turn. Farmer B on the other or Farmer B on the other hand is exasperated because Farmer B looks at Farmer A's land and saying, How come we plant we planted this thing together at the same time? How come he is fruitful? I am not. It's because Farmer B has forgotten the value of patience. And because Farmer B forgot the value of patience, Farmer B constantly goes to uproot the seed that has been planted, even some of the plants that have grown. To check whether they are bearing fruit. Not trusting it's himself to the process of time of Satan and harvest. Knowing fully well that whatever is sown must produce a harvest. And that the harvest time for each of the seeds planted would differ. And that does not mean nothing is happening. And therefore, because of that, he wouldn't need to be going to uproot the seed and uproot the plant, check what's going on. Therefore, re- re- reversing the progress that has been made over time. So, I want you to take that away, that when you know what the outcome looks like, you can have hope. 
when you have hope, your hope is driven by what? Patience, endurance, and steadfastness. No matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, I want you to know that patience is a skill that is needed. It helps you to exercise self-control. It helps you to exercise uh, resilience. It helps you to say the right thing at the right time. It helps you to be wise, even be beyond your age. But you have to be patient. To be patient means we surrender ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We just allow God to lead us. We also remember that God is faithful. We remember that God always comes through. We remember that whatever God has promised, God will always fulfill it. We remember that the faithfulness of God is actually what makes his hope and his promise to work for us. That when God gives us a promise and we wrap our lives around that promise, we can rest assured that God always comes through for us. Hallelujah. So, as we round up, here is a prayer point that I've put here that I want us to pray together. So, say with me. I affirm that I was born for such a time as this. Therefore, I have overcome the world and its hatred, its unbelief, its wickedness, its deceptions, its economies, its economics, its death, its falsehood, and falsities. I am victorious forever. In the name of Jesus, I am the seed of Abraham, graced for greatness, and anointed to be fruitful and productive in every good work. I have been ordained to prosper and to live in glory. I live the glorious life, fulfilling my purpose and destiny in Christ Jesus. Say with me, great things are happening for me. Great things are happening through me. By the power of the word and the ability of the Holy Spirit. I am filled with the knowledge of God's will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, I am walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. I am fruitful in every good work. I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Every time, in every place, in every situation, Divine wisdom is at work in me to the glory and praise of the Father. I belong in the family of Christ, the church, and in Christ, I am in health, I am in wealth, I am in splendor, I am in prosperity, I am in glory in the name of Jesus. The glory of the Lord is seen and manifested through me and to my world in the name of Jesus. And life, my life is a continuous manifestation of Christ and the supernatural and the supernatural. My life is a continuation. My life is a continuous manifestation of Christ and the supernatural. Blessed be God. Hallelujah forevermore. Amen. 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 All right. As we round up, here are the 10 keys again. Key number one, environment. Key number two. Being alone but not lonely. Key number three, self-discipline. Key number four, germinate. Key number five, water. Key number six, fertilize. Key number seven, sunshine. Key number eight, pruning. Key number nine, time. And key number ten is patient. May the Lord bless you as you go. May the Lord keep you and uphold you. May the Lord grant you ability to stay the game, not to give up. People of God, remember Jesus. If Jesus Christ had given up when he was on that Calvary's hill and being tortured, he had said, oh, man, I can't do this anymore. He just gave up. 
you and I will not be where we are today. We are not going to be recipients of this grace that we have today. So before you turn around and say you want to give up, remember there are people who have gone ahead of you that have made sacrifices to ensure that you can be where you are. Don't throw your life away. Don't throw your, your gift away because you are going through a rough patch. It came so that it can pass and it shall come to pass in the name of Jesus Christ for your own too. This season where you are going through, it's not forever. There will be a change. There will be a dynamics. There will be a difference in which God is going to do for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads as we pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your people. And I thank you for the grace that's at work right now in our heart. Help us, Almighty, to understand that, that, that being patient is a superpower that can help us to connect with great people, do great things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray for someone here today who has not given their lives to Jesus. I pray, Almighty, that the touch of the Holy Ghost will touch them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for direction. Lord, we give you praise. And Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Until next time, remember... You are blessed and highly favored.